Welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Friday the 3rd of November with me, Bernadette and Derko. It's been a big week for data and central bank meetings, but it's not quite over yet. Uh, We've got non-farm payrolls in the States and my colleague Mike Rauber will be filling you in on this and the other main markets news. And then Tim Gagey's here for the Friday roundup of what's hot and what's not in the currency and metals markets. So let's crack on and start the show now with the roundup of the markets news. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bernadette. So, Mike, we had the European Central Bank meeting last week, and then we've had the Bank of Japan, the US Fed, and the Bank of England this week. They've all left rates uh, unchanged. We've seen quite a rally in equities and a plunging global bond yield since the Fed's decision and comments on Wednesday. Can you tell us a bit more, please? Yes. So, markets took Jerome Powell's comments following the Fed's decision to keep interest rates on hold on Wednesday very positively. His suggestion that the U.S. central bank may have reached the end of its tightening cycle encouraged investors yesterday, sending uh, equities higher and U.S. Treasury yields sharply lower. And so the benchmark S&P 500 rose 1.9% yesterday, with all sectors rising on the day. And so in the first four days of this week, the S&P 500 has risen almost 5%, putting it on track for its biggest weekly gain of the year. What a reversal of sentiment uh, just a week ago. And the gains are being helped, of course, by the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield, which is having its biggest decline since March, closing at 4.66% this morning. So as you can see, Bernadette, trying to time the market is really difficult. And uh, I think this once again really argues, does argue for staying invested within one's own means, of course. Okay, but stepping back for a moment, the market seems to also be being helped by stocks reacting positively to earnings, right? Absolutely. So what we are seeing is that companies that are beating earnings expectations are soaring this week, whereas in previous weeks, the rally after positive results has been somewhat more muted. Now, just two examples from yesterday. Qualcomm was up almost 6% and Starbucks jumped 10% after its earnings release. And yesterday, the Danish company Novo Nordisk became Europe's most valuable company after it posted its results. Okay, so while we're on the topic of earnings, um, Apple obviously came out with results after the market closed yesterday, and they weren't as good as some had expected, were they? Yes, so the stock is down 3.4% post-market. But uh, maybe importantly for the broader market, U.S. equity futures are just slightly in the red after yesterday's rally. So Apple's results do not seem to weigh too much on the positive sentiment. But for the company, it reported a fourth straight quarter of revenue declines with Greater China disappointing. But the CEO, Tim Cook, tried uh, to assure investors in in that he said he's very optimistic about the region. The company also warned that revenues in the holiday quarter will be about the same as last year. But uh, Wall Street analysts had projected around 5% growth. Okay, so our analysts still believe that a year-end rally is on the cards, and with the S&P 500 now trading 100 points above the crucial 4,200 level, the next point to watch out for will be the jobs data, the non-farm payrolls that I mentioned earlier, due out today. I think that's the number to watch out for, right? Absolutely, Bernard. And uh, we're getting a big health check on the U.S. economy today. So first, as you mentioned, the U.S. non-farm payroll report, a figure of 180,000 new jobs is expected would be very very low compared to recent months. But then again, uh, if one looks, uh, reported figures have been beating expectations recently. 
The other figure to watch is the unemployment rate, of course. Uh, it is at an almost generational low of 3.8%. And finally, uh, the ISM services index is expected to come in at 53 points. Now, this is really important. As long as the number is above 50, it shows that the very important services sector in the U.S. is in expansion mode. And Bernadette, remember, the majority of the workforce is actually employed in the services sector, as we know. Good to know, Mike. Okay, so turning to Europe, uh, the Bank of England also left its uh, interest rate unchanged and the pound gained after the Bank of England ruled out any possibility of letting up its fight against inflation for the foreseeable future, right? Yes, uh, as in the US government, bond yields in the UK also fell sharply. Now, one reason cited in the case of the UK is that high bond yields for now may mean deeper rate cuts down the road as tighter policy takes its toll on economic activity. The yield on 10-year gilts fell 11 basis points to 4.38%, uh, close to its lowest levels in September. And with bond yields falling across Europe, the Italian equivalent also fell sharply, taking the spread over Germany to just 190 basis points, the closest in recent weeks. But in fact, uh, we've seen really a rapid reversal in government bond yields globally. I guess the high real yields are too attractive to ignore in the face of slowing global inflation. All right. So uh, let's move across to Asia. Equities are joining in the rally for once, although Japan is closed for a holiday today, I believe. Yeah. So Hong Kong's equity benchmarks are up 2.5%, with technology stocks on the verge of breaking their downtrend uh, started mid-year. So that's worth watching. Uh, so with broad uh, strength across Asia today, the MSCI Asia index is uh, on track for its best week in two months. But uh, just to add some caution, data released from Asia point to continued challenges uh, in the region's largest economy, with the latest private survey data from China sh showing slower than expected expansion in the services sector. All right. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to tell us in terms of market action, Mike? Just quickly, so oil is set for a second weekly loss as the Israel-Hamas war remained geographically contained, which of course is also helping sentiment in financial markets. And gold, it is heading for its first weekly decline in four uh, with prices at $1,970 an ounce this morning or when I just looked. All right. And finally, uh, apart from that non-farm payrolls, what do we expect today? Yeah, so German export figures for September, they came already out. They showed a greater than expected 2.4% uh, drop. There is also French manufacturing data, UK services, PMI, and Eurozone employment number on the tape. Now on earnings, Société Générale reported already and it missed on net income, while Swiss Re surprised positively. That's all from me, uh, Bernadette, and happy weekend. Thanks very much for today's wrap, Mike. Thank you. So now it's time to welcome Tim Gagey to the call for the weekly update on currency and metal markets. Uh, good morning, Tim. Good morning, Bernadette. How are you doing? Good, thank you. So um, I feel like markets can breathe a sigh of relief that Central Bank is finally out of the way. Uh, what do you make of it? Yeah, I always like doing this podcast at the end of a Central Bank week, because for once there's actually something to talk about. And I think this week, I think maybe we're at a little small inflection point. Everyone did basically what we expected them to do, including the Fed. And Powell did not really change much about his thoughts. However, I sense a bit of fatigue in the air as far as this aggressive move higher in US rates is concerned that we saw before. 
back around 465 this morning and all of a sudden this 5% in the 10-year looks a bit further away. Of course, we do have non-farm payrolls today. And given the increasingly suspect nature of the forecasting of US data, who knows if we will get a surprise again. But I'm not sure what a positive number would really tell us unless it's outstanding. I think the risk is skewed more that if we have a negative number, we could have a bigger impact. Interestingly, of course, rates are coming down generally, not just in the US, but when US rates were spiking, rates were going up generally, nobody cared. Everyone just bought dollars. So I think that if US rates continue to slide, I think that will have a particular uh, unique effect upon the dollar. Does this mean then that uh, the demand for dollars is coming to an end? Yeah, I mean, I think that might be uh, slightly overstating the uh, the argument. But overall, yes, I think that we are about to see something of a shift away from dollars again. It may take time, of course. But I believe that the moves of this week suggest we can see a larger softening of the dollar into the end of the year. It wouldn't surprise me all that much to see euro dollar, for example, back to 108 or so before too long. Everything is trading heavy. As I said, this could be a pretty slow evolution. But I think the shut your eyes and buy the dollar approach of the last few months should peter out. And I think I'd also expect a bit of outperformance in a couple of currencies that have struggled of late, namely the Australian dollar and the Canadian dollar, where I would see current levels as an excellent entry point. Okay, so um, how about being long the pound? I mean, particularly against the Swiss franc. Is this still a position you like? Yeah, I do like the pound and it still looks quite cheap to me here. Bank of England are indeed on hold, just like everybody else. But against the dollar, it seems to me that 120 should be an excellent support level. And anything you can do to get long cable, sterling dollar, at such a level would make sense to me. Against the Swiss franc, it looks a lot healthier again. I'm very happy to see the pound back to 110.50 there from 108 a week or so ago, when the geopolitical situation initially worsened so quickly. Just as with the quick drop in the pound we saw last year, after Liz Truss's mini-budget car crash, the market does not like sterling much below the levels that we see right now. So with carry so much in your favour, that's about 4% versus the Swiss franc, long sterling there remains probably my favourite trade at the moment. Okay. Now, it seems a while ago, but we did start the central bank week with the Bank of Japan. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, uh, in the Bank of Japan remain on another planet to every other central bank. They remain worried about deflation, it seems. And the main points that Governor Ueda made were around inflation fading away again by 2025 and then being ready to use further easing measures if required. That's right, easing measures. We had a few questions here on the desk about if they would intervene after dollar yen flew up to well above 151. My view is that intervening would just be super weird because essentially they'd be intervening against yen weakness entirely or almost entirely of their own making. I think they are still desperately hoping to get away with having super loose monetary policy, but somehow other market moves keeping the yen from collapsing entirely. Hope is a very dangerous way to approach financial markets. So I would really just prefer not to have any possession in yen, any position in yen, sorry. I think it's just too risky. Okay, uh, then finally, this is a currency and metals update. So have you got any quick words on gold and precious metals for us, Tim? Yeah, so I mean, after the drama of last week's break of 2000, this week has actually been a bit boring for gold. It hasn't really gone anywhere. The real resistance level remains $2,075 per ounce. This is far more important than the 2000 level, which is actually really more psychological than anything else. It's tempting to think that if gold is up here, 
when US rates were on their highs, then if rates come down, should gold not continue to strengthen? I'm not convinced by this argument. I think if rates come off a bit more, risk appetite should perhaps improve, as we've heard it already seems to be. And I think investors will be more inclined to get back into the market, probably reducing exposure to gold, if anything. Platinum looked very exciting earlier this week with a move to 940. It slipped back a little bit, but it's respected the support levels so far. And I think we should see a break of 950 going up to 965, which is the major resistance. And I believe eventually we get back to 1000. So I would want to stay long platinum and look to get long on any interesting pullbacks. So thank you, Benedette, for the chat as always. Thank you everyone for listening. And I wish you all an excellent weekend. Thank you so much for the update, Tim. It's always enlightening to have you on the show. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and of course you for listening. Don't forget to join me again on Monday when I'll be back with more of our experts to guide you through what's moving markets and what to expect in the week ahead. Have a great weekend. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.